0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, my wife loves to watch crime shows and about the, well, the real life crimes and murders and uh, goes through the whole story. She loves all those shows. And so usually when I'm there watching with her, I'm only paying half attention. But sometimes I get into them and sometimes it's kind of fun to try to guess. Who committed the crime? To see who's innocent and and who's guilty. And a lot of times it's pretty easy to figure out who's guilty and who's innocent. But other times the person who I think is innocent is found to be guilty. And the person who I think is actually guilty ends up innocent and free. As we continue our series, Witnesses to Christ, tonight we meet Barabbas. And as we meet Gravis, there's a trial going on. And as in any trial, there are three key ideas. Innocent, guilty, and free. And that's how we're going to structure the sermon tonight. Innocent, guilty, and free. So first, as we consider innocent, we realize that is Jesus. We know that. And even Pilate knows that. In John 18, 38, Pilate tells the crowd, I find no guilt in him. (laughs) Pilate didn't think that Jesus deserved the cross. A lecture, maybe, or even a lashing, but certainly not the cross, not the death penalty. There's two times in John 18 that the gospel writer calls Pontius Pilate the governor. And as Judea's governor, Pilate sits on the judgment seat. He has the supreme power, the absolute dominion. In Judea, Pilate decides the formal death penalty cases. And so you live or die according to Pilate. And Pilate, like we see, declares that Jesus is innocent. He does so again in John 19. And the rest of the New Testament even takes that further, a whole lot further. The New Testament tells us that Jesus is absolutely, perfectly innocent. Hebrews 4, verse 15 says that Jesus was without sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says of Jesus, he who knew no sin. When it comes to sin, Jesus never did it. He's innocent. Now, as we get to guilty, we see that that is Barabbas. Barabbas was as guilty as it gets, and then some. And so Pilate poses this question to the people. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cry out again, not this man, but Barabbas. And John 1840 continues with these words. Now, Barabbas was a robber, a robber. The Greek word used there for robber is laestace. And uh, laestace is a marooning, violent outlaw who finances his lawlessness through what he plunders and what he steals. Now, how do we know that?
1: Lacetaste
0: is the same word used in the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, verse 30, where Jesus says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. Lacetaste, the plural of lacedaste, who stripped him beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. So you put John 18, verse 40 and Luke 10, verse 30 together, and what do we learn? we learn that a lace taste is the worst kind of outlaw. A lace taste won't just rob you, but he will rob you and kill you. It's also interesting that this is the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew 26, verse 55, when he's arrested in in the garden. And he asks, have you come out against me as a robber? He uses that same word, lace taste. Mark 15, verse seven, tells us more. It says, among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And so Barabbas was probably leading the Lestes among the insurrectionists. the insurrectionists here were anti-Roman rioters who belonged to a political group called the Zealots. The Zealots had one agenda, and that was to get rid of the Romans, to get the Romans out of Judea. And these zealots were certainly ready to slit throats to make it happen. And so, knowing that, don't make the mistake of thinking that Barabbas was just a petty thief or a second-hand scoundrel. Rome wouldn't condemn a small-time crook to crucifixion. But they would, a lace taste. Barabbas was judged he was judged guilty and condemned to die he'd be be crucified by noon and dead by sundown his future was a cross three nails and an awful death so innocent that's Jesus guilty that's Barabbas for sure but what about us we, if we're honest with ourselves, realize that we are also guilty. Absolutely guilty. As Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, we're all born dead in our trespasses and sins. As 2 Corinthians 4 tells us, we are blinded by the God of this world and hopeless. Our finest deeds are as unclean rags as Isaiah 64 verse 6 tells us and so we can be grouped right there with brass Paul says as much in Romans 7 verse 24 where he says wretched man that I am wretched man that I am notice the tense there he didn't say I was a wretch he says I am a wretch present tense right now and again if we are honest with ourselves we realize that right now today even as believers even as followers of christ truth be told we are all a wretch the bible calls it sin sin is serious. Sin isn't just a regrettable lapse or an occasional stumble. Sin stages a rebellion against God's rule. Sin storms the heavens. Sin lays claim to God's throne. It defies God's authority. Sin sneers, get out, God. Get lost, God. I'm in charge here, not you. Sin leads us all to think that we are God. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You have your way and I have my way. Isn't that the way of the world? That's what the world tells us, right? Is that, you know, if you can live the way that you want... Each person can do what they feel is right, whatever feels good to them. And it's okay, how whatever you judge to be right, it doesn't matter what God's word says. You make your own truth. You do your own way. And so we all have turned to our own way, just like sheep. Now, we don't like to confess it, do we? We try to avoid it. But truth be told, we are just like Barabbas. We are prisoners to our past, our low road choices, and our high-minded pride. And God has declared us, rightly so, guilty. And what is his sentence? Romans 6, verse 23 is very clear. The wages of sin is death. Death. Innocent, that's Jesus. Guilty, that's Barabbas. That's us. Each and every one of us. And free, that's Barabbas. Kind of like one of those plot twists in the shows that my wife likes to watch. We can just imagine this, uh, a Roman guard with the key unlocks the prison door, swings it open and shouts, Barabbas, you're free. They chose you to go free. You can picture Barabbas stumbling into the light of day, shackles gone, crimes pardoned, free. Free. Yes, that's Barabbas. But also, it's us. That's the good news, that we are free. And how so? Through Christ. Through Christ. For Jesus endured not just the Roman nails and the mockery and the spear, but also the gears of God's grinding justice. Yes, the gears of God's grinding justice. Because God doesn't overlook sin. God doesn't say, you know, that's no big deal. It's no problem. Again, that's the way the world would have us think. A sin's not a big deal. As long as you're not hurting anybody, it's fine. It's just a little sin. There's far worse people out there. But that's not how it works. God is holy, righteous, sovereign, and perfect. God cannot overlook sin. God must punish sin. And so that's why God placed all of our sin, every last bit of it, on Jesus. And that's why we can accurately say Christ substituted himself for the world. That is a wonderful truth. But to bring that home even more, to make that even more personal, we can each say that Christ substituted himself me remind yourself of that wonderful truth Christ substituted himself for you for your sins and my sins even though they are many God's mercy is more his grace is greater and so we are free in Christ Psalm 146 verse 7 says, the Lord sets the prisoners free. Romans 8 verse 2 says, the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, for freedom Christ has set us free. And Revelation 1 verse 5 says that Jesus has freed us from our sins by his blood. You know, there are a million, reason, or a million ways to become a prisoner. But there is only one way to be free, truly free, and that's through Jesus. Our Savior's liberating power sets us free from the condemnation of our sin, free from the pain of our past, free from worry about our future, And the good news is that no one can take this freedom from us. Nothing can take this freedom from us. No law can stop it. No power on earth or hell can destroy it. And so innocent, guilty, and free. Those are the three most important words in any trial. And which one is the most life-changing? It's free. Free. John 8, 36 says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that is us. By God's grace, we are free. Amen.